Good evening, everyone. Jerry Lee here. So happy to have you listening. <coughs> We're looking forward to a very interesting time. And uh, my, 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 do I ever have a lot of questions that people have asked. I'm figuring that um, we're not going to get through this tonight. Uh, we, uh, you know, it's going to take maybe at least uh, this week and next week to get through the questions. But they will prove to be very interesting. And so we, we want to talk about that and all of the meaning that that has. Uh, so <clears throat> let's, um, let's just get started. Um, here uh, in a sort of indirect way, uh, you know, in order to just sort of set you up for some of the things that we have to say, um, I want to start off with the, with the very complicated teaching that uh, Jesus did in John, uh, the Gospel of John, and uh, chapter 6. Um, and so we, we will begin on that by doing some reading. Uh, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. Now, um, I've had several questions about, you know, who is Jesus um, and, and the, the different, uh, you know, who, how does he connect with the Father with Melchizedek with Adam, and uh, a lot of questions as to um, uh, the the Jesus figure um, and the 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 reason and the purpose of the redemption of the Ophanims, uh, the salvation of, of of the lost, and so forth. And uh, I, I've chosen to first begin a general answer. Uh, by taking this particular very complicated scripture, uh, which I have done ministry on before, but it is uh, such a deep uh, and, and expounded uh, uh, number of verses that it does, um, you know, uh, need to be expounded. And, and we also have the testimony of the word that after Jesus spoke these things, that a great majority of his followers ceased to follow him. So uh, it was something they just could not understand. They could not abide by the teaching. They could not accept the teaching. And even though he had performed miracles, uh, even though uh, he had raised the dead, yet uh, uh, the seriousness of the gospel being so differentiated from the kind of, um, of, of religion uh, teachings that they had been... Um, you know, subjected to and familiar with, uh, was just too much for them uh, to be able to put together uh, in a way that was acceptable. But let's just start here. Uh, chapter 6, the Gospel of John, uh, verse 32. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true uh, bread from heaven. Okay. And I've, that's twice that I've read it, so that should uh, help to sink in real good. Um, this is quite an oratory. And if you can imagine the Pharisees and the Sadducees and scribes who are totally caught up into the law of Moses, totally caught up in the Torah, totally caught up in the, into the revelation of Moses, this, this is like, you know, 
the God of the uh, the Old Testament. In fact, uh, uh, the Bible clearly says that Moses uh, stood in as God for Aaron and was the in-between person between between God and and uh, and, and Aaron. And uh, that's all Bible. Uh, so he was a very, very important figure, and 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 the Jewish faith was based on the Torah. But here Jesus says, um, uh, "Let me tell you something. As much, and I'm paraphrasing it, as you have all this confidence in Moses and all the things that he did, and the understanding that you have about him, um, Moses." gave you not the bread from heaven but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven now there would seem to be a conflict here a very serious conflict but there is not of course but there would seem to be because first off he's talking about the manna and the manna of course was angels food which was from heaven uh, but although that that was true and that 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 uh, that uh, Moses was involved in that deliverance of receiving the angelic angel bread from heaven which which we're not talking about the heaven of heavens but we're talking about the father's house and and uh, that's why the father is mentioned here because it's got to do with the heaven which is the father's house and the important thing here is that in one sense it is true that the bread that was given by Moses did come from heaven did come from the Father but the point that Jesus is making is that that bread that bread was was not the fulfillment of the essence of the revelation of life and of eternal life because the people that ate that manna that ate that bread that although it was angel food although it was from heaven although it was connected to the father through Moses that particular epic that particular um, experience did not allow, did not bring those people into or restore those people to eternal life uh, in the sense of, of uh, having consciousness of it. And so, Jesus says, but the true bread, and what he is really saying here when he says the true bread, he is not really inferring that what Moses did was not true. But what he is saying in that word true is the, the fullness of the meaning was not revealed to Moses. But the bread that I have to give you entails and includes the fullness of the meaning of the message from the Father through His Son, who I am, Jesus the Christ. And that was the meaning of the true bread. And then the preposition for which is a determining factor, determining factor word, a forensic word, it means causation, because, for or because. The bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. 
and there is he makes the point that this is is not a a a materialistic food uh, even if it was created by angels but it is a living food and and it embodies eternal life now that was pretty deep and and could have been extremely difficult for the Pharisees and the Sadducees to accept that uh, but he doesn't stop there um, you know and he, go, he goes on and then said they unto him uh, Lord evermore give us this bread uh, the, the, there's some people there that were very hungry for uh, you know a deeper revelation a deeper understanding and, and I want to encourage you people and, and this is not to encourage that we're trying to um, steal away any any people from any churches uh, but I want to encourage you people that all human beings have a right to know the truth and uh, and you know uh, G- Jesus uh, you know made it made, made it very clear uh, I am the bread of life he that cometh to me shall never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst so he addresses this state that is existent a state of hunger and a state of thirst uh, that being broke down to mean uh, a thirst of knowledge and and a, and 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 a thirst and hunger you know and uh, hunger for for wisdom so this thirst and hunger for wisdom and knowledge was embodied with in each person um, these persons knowing that there is an emptiness that there is something missing that they are missing the the truth uh, or the fulfill, fulfillment or fullness of something that they're supposed to know but that there is a block and they can't seem to get through that block to discover what that is they need to know is this haze that prevents it okay so as we we look at that and go on a little further um, you know he says uh, but uh, conjunction but I say to you that ye also have seen me and believed not now these people who are saying oh yeah hey count us in yeah what about this everlasting life can you give us some trinkles on that and sort of the details so we can uh, take advantage of that and, he, and then Jesus said uh, now you've already seen me and not believed so he sort of puts them, them in his place um, and he says all that the father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out for I am come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him that sent me and, the, and this is the father's will which has sent me that, that all which he hath given me I should lose nothing now you have to understand that in Thessalonians it says that Jesus will come with the voice of an archangel and that he himself would come with that voice so all that was given him uh, has been described in both Daniel the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and it ends up to being one trillion one trillion angels so the the Ophidim uh, total one trillion angels and those are all of the of the individuals that uh, uh, were, were were given to Jesus were accepted uh, uh, to to be in the overcoming and were accepted for persons 
able to enter into the fringes of the first domain and eventually into the interior of the first domain. So that is very important, and this is what Jesus is talking about. These are all, and he's saying, you know, there was a trillion persons that belonged to the Ophanims, and I want all of those trillion. I'm claiming all of those trillion, you know, and, and he says, and this is the Father's will that sent me, that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. It is the will of God that there not be a single solitary orphanim lost. It is, and, I'm not, and I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, that when the universe is closed and finished, and the Bible says that the beginning of the universe starts out like, you know, the Bible says he stretched out the heavens. So it's, it's unrolled, it's, it's stretched out, unfurled, and then in the closing of it, it says the heavens are rolled, rolled together like a scroll. So we see just the contra, the opposite happening in the end that of what happened in the beginning. And so when we come to the end and everything is finished in the universe, the universe is finished for a period of time uh, until it starts over again at a, at a much later uh, a point in, in time uh, or timelessness. Um, then we have this, this next move those that overcome to go to the first domain. And, and Jesus said, it is not the will of God that a single solitary one of those be lost. And, and I want to tell you that God does not allow, when these angels go out on missions, God does not allow for there to be a loss. There cannot be a trillion angels go out on the mission and, uh, you know, a half of that number or two-thirds of that number be all that come back. That would never be acceptable to God. God will never allow anything to become less. It always grows. It always, you know, is profound and nothing is ever accepted that is not like that. Now we're going to talk about all that as we get into these various requests from people because it's very, very important and it's very, very Bible. And, and I'm going to ask you to bear with us tonight in these teachings because they are deep and they are provocative and you may not just necessarily be able to, to come right into it and, and uh, saddle on it and say, oh yeah, this is great, I believe it. Uh, it just may be you know, more than you can bear. And Jesus ran into situations where he said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So we understand that. By the same token, though, uh, because we are in a different time and, and we have to put things out on the public airways uh, and we have to advance so that the people that are ready to advance have the meat and, and, and they can eat that meat and, and advance. Uh, but if you will just, if you don't understand it, uh, don't, don't curse it, don't put it down. Just uh, put it on a shelf until you get a chance to be exposed to more teachings. Okay, so um, um, now let's see. What else do we want to give to you? Uh, in, in, the, uh, in the 44th verse of the same chapter, chapter 6 of John, it says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, 
and I will raise him up in the last day. Now that's a tough verse, but we might as well put it into the vocabulary here today. And you need to understand something, that no matter how much you want to be drawn into the picture of something, no matter how much your will is, no matter how much your determination is, uh, you can knock on the door, you can seek, but none of those things are going to get a result unless the Father draws you. And if we don't believe the Word of God, then we're just wasting our time being involved here in, in the Word of God. But it clearly says that, that uh, you know, uh, uh, it is very, very important. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. So if the Father draws you, then you're guaranteed to get raised up the last day. So the big thing here is the Father drawing you. That is what has to happen. Now, you know, what is it that causes the Father uh, to draw you up? What are the works or the renderings that you might have to do, uh, uh, or do you have to do any at all? Uh, first off, you have to understand that it's the will of God that everyone be saved. You've got to get this down, because it is definitely not uh, common street Main Street Doctrine, uh, but it's the, it's, the, it's the facts of the Bible. And then it goes on and it says, uh, not that any man, um, oh, excuse me, uh, verse 45, and it is written in the prophets that they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore hath heard, every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Now this is important. And they shall all be taught of God. They shall all be taught of God. Uh, there's sort of a, a you know, a, a manifesto, a, something, a guarantee written in there that everybody is going to get a chance to know the Word of God. There's not going to be anybody that does not get an opportunity. They're all going to get a chance. And in fact, that's one of the things that has to happen. This knowledge that is lost, that is, uh, you know, in some kind of, memory storage, um, some kind of uh, suspended animation uh, has got to be restored. And then when that does happen, and people have been taught and have learned uh, these things from God, uh, then that opens the door for the Father to draw. For the, you know, uh, Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. Uh, he hath seen the Father. So they that are of God have seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. <clears throat> wow. That's pretty exciting. Uh, I hope you're digging in there. Jesus is the bread. He is the bread of life. And uh, this is why it was so important when uh, Lucifer, Satan, said to him, cast yourself down, you know, uh, or called it cause these stones to be cast down and turned into bread. And, and Jesus, who had a much higher uh, thought and understanding on bread than just the physiological application, uh, understanding that he himself was called by his father to be the living bread, uh, certainly uh, wasn't about to capitulate uh, to that lore uh, uh, definition, the lowest of all definitions of the meaning of bread. And it's just very much along the lines when Jesus said, hey, this physical bread 
that Moses provided you, those people all died. They're, they're gone. But the bread that I want to give you, you, you'll never die. Okay. So it says, um, um, Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that you may that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give him for, for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? How cannibalistic, in other words. Then the Jews, um, okay, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, no matter how great you are, no matter how great you are not, unless you come into this understanding of eating and drinking the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, you do not have a restoration of the promise of life in you. You are in stagnant, a stagnant mind, a stagnant situation. That does not mean at that point you are lost, but it means you have not come in uh, to the promise and power of redemption. But if you believe, and, and you can see this story. Now, when Jesus said, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, he is 100% uh, talking about transassimilation. And that is so absolutely important. Transassimilation means that, that you begin to translate or transform uh, into uh, the flesh life and the, and, and the blood life, which blood is the symbol, the symbol of life. You begin to translate into that and, and, and it's a transassimilation, uh, you know, a taking on. It's a process. It doesn't happen instantly, except that you could say that um, it, you have an instant hope, and so you, there is an election. You, you are like an elect angel the minute that you render it. Uh, but then, you know, it's only until, as Jesus said, you endure to the end that you are saved. So there is a process of, of maintaining. Now, uh, we want to go on with this, and it's very important. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink. And he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. And as the living Father hath uh, sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Now, Jesus is making a comparative. He's saying, what I'm asking you to do is something that I have done with the Father. And he says, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Wow. That's pretty neat stuff. Awfully neat stuff. And I love it. And and it's it, it changes everything because it, it is so opposite of what anyone else teaches. And I know there there are the uh, the communions that people have and they take the, the little wafer of bread and they take 
they take you know a little wine juice or grape juice and um, and the Catholics have you know a certain kind of belief on that that the uh, the communion uh, or the Eucharist literally turns into the flesh and 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 blood of Jesus Christ uh, for that moment as you take it and and uh, the, the the Protestants uh, you know believe it is just figurative and it's, it's different uh, you know uh, I'm not here to put any of those ideas down uh, I think that um, either one of the two ideas can work uh, to an extent because they in a sense are a kind of proxy or rendering and so that if a person is rendering these things uh, uh, in that sense there is a certain uh, uh, attachment of truth uh, in that action and uh, I will be the last one on the earth to judge against any of those people and what is being portrayed okay now let's go on because uh, you know we have so much to talk about uh, and I, I just want to you know to cover these uh, these questions you know as, as much as we can um, we've got a question from Mario and Mario is uh, asking about syntonic fire isn't there isn't uh, therefore possible it possible that when one is on the other side of God's will that the syntonic fire could cause pain to the spirit that is felt just like the physical pain of getting burned or worse um, how this goes <coughs> excuse me in the letter uh, from um, uh, Mario is um, that he had an experience once uh, uh, after for some long period of time uh, being on the opposing side of the argument about hell fire um, <coughs> he um, um, he had a period of apostasy uh, which he, he just you know didn't believe there could be a a physical hellfire and uh, then he had a terrible nightmare in which uh, he felt his whole body was on fire and and uh, he was uh, in in very intolerable unbearable pain and that made him sort of relook into you know the whole subject again so we want to talk just about this just a little bit, yet, uh, a little bit, because it all ties into all of these things. Okay, first, syntonic fire. Let's talk about that just a moment. Uh, we have explained uh, several times, especially in the blogs and, and in some of the ministry, that syntonic fire works like this, uh, because it, it 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 is based on a teaching I haven't done with you folks. But it's, called, it's uh, got to do with what's called sin tones. And based on the number of, uh, or the balance of sin tones in one's body spirit, um, that decrees, uh, sort of like being weighed in the balance, uh, if you are in the minimum acceptable limits. And if you are in the minimal acceptable limits, when uh, you become involved with sin tone, uh, tonic fire, rather, uh, it, it does good to you it does not destroy you but if you are not in those um, minimal acceptable limits uh, because of a lack because of the sin tone problem then uh, it, it becomes negative to you and so it has the opposite effect it's contra but now let's talk about this thing about hell fire and, and what that, that means 
And this next statement or two I'm going to make is just going to be, you know, pretty tough for some of you people. Uh, but, but, you know, I want you to listen to it because it's fact and it's true. Now, I made the statement about the will of God is that every one of these ophanims that go should be redeemed. Here is something that you have to understand. When the ophanims overcame in their universe called the Troniverse, they were granted eternal life. And once they were granted this eternal life, they were turned on into this eternal spirit. Now, the one thing that God revealed to me many, many years ago, that that was a very close to impossible thing to undo, that once a person became eternal, that it was just like impossible to, to make them uh, to, to not continue to be eternal because they're eternal. They're made eternal, and they stay eternal. So we see in the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes that the Bible teaches there that at the end of life, uh, all spirits return to God who gave it. So, we, so we, we see there something quite beautiful, Ecclesiastes 12, that the spirit returns to God. It's sort of like a law of something that happens. It, it just, you know, once the body, you know, is freed uh, at a certain point, we're not saying that the minute you die that you, your spirit is free, but we're saying that at some point the spirit returns to God who gave it. Well, um, let's, let's look at that in this sense of, of eternal. Um, you've got to understand that not every time a new creation is begun in a, with, with a new universe, is there a fall of angels? Uh, you know, <clears throat> this is an extraordinary occasion, a, a special, uh, very difficult occasion. And because usually we're, we're dealing with, with new creations, and, and these new creations have to um, advance and develop mentally until they become aware that there is a God. And as they become aware that there is a God, then ultimately they can advance into uh, an understanding uh, uh, to a greater extent about God, and then ultimately uh, they can go through the processes that will eventually allow them to be gained a soul, and then they eventually become a soul creature and can go then to the first domain. <clears throat> so in the meanwhile, uh, though, uh, we have a special situation. We're dealing with angels who fell into matter, taking on human bodies. But these angels have eternal spirits, you know. And uh, and a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, have just not understand how this how this works. But now, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you the way it is. And this is the fact, and this is the truth, and it's Bible. The way it works is like the parable that Jesus gave about those that were working in the field. And he gives this example that, that of the talents. And uh, he shows that there are some that are given talents, and they're supposed to go out and to multiply those talents. But instead, they bury it in a handkerchief and, and want to hold on to it and not lose it, but they make no advance. Nothing happens to their, to their talent that's buried in a handkerchief and maybe then buried in the ground. Uh, nothing, it's like no, not doing anything about the state of, of mental uh, uh, memory absence from God. 
uh, being in that state in which you do not remember uh, what you know you're you're supposed to remember, but not wanting to do anything about it because you know uh, status quo, you're sort of satisfied uh, with how things are just the way you are, and so you don't really want to change anything. Uh, those kind of people <coughs> do not make it. Those kind of people are not accepted uh, of God. So their talents are taken away. So everyone got that. <coughs> Excuse me. Their talents are taken away. Now, when their talents are taken away, the Bible teaches that those talents are given to another, another person. Now, what we teach is that um, after 70, 80,000 generations of time called the Abrahamic bosom, that's spoken of in the book of, of Psalms, which we've given the scriptures many a time, and they're in the, the blogs, you just research it, that um, um, when, when that is over, then the, the, the creation that was supposed to start before the angels fell uh, will begin. So there's two kinds of, of, of statements made about the book of life. The book of life of the, of the, of the entities whose names uh, were written before the foundations of even of this world, before this earth was even conceived. Uh, they were already written in the Lamb's book of life. So they were predestined before uh, this earth and lived before this earth. And they are the morning stars described in Job 38. Uh, then there's this other group that it mentions, those whose names were never written in the Lamb's book of life. And this is mentioned in the book of uh, Revelations. And these are, to be, are the new creations that begin to take over afterwards. So when these, um, when these um, uh, talents are given out, uh, it will eventually be given out to those entities of the new creations who will be chosen to replace the orphanims who fail to make it back into the, the first domain. Now, that might sound like a contradiction of eternal, but it isn't. You just have to give me time to finish here. So, there will be persons who are new creations who will be given the talents it's like someone taking on the same DNA that someone else had only it's in a spiritual sense and they take on all the credits as if they were born in the Troniverse and went through all the ancientness of time uh, uh, everything that that person was uh, you know they become and except they do not take on that person's rebellion and then they take the place of that entity so that when these trillion angels go in and there will be a, tri a trillion because that's the will of God those angels that have failed to be able to make it into the kingdom of heaven uh, th those uh, will be replaced by from the new creation and they will be able to take on uh, the character of those persons that, that did not were not able to make it back in as though they were those very persons. And that is not just an awful lot different from what happens when co which I'll explain a little later. When co-ooning, 
you know, takes place. C O hyphen U N E Koun or N I N G. And so, uh, when we uh, consider this, then there's not going to be less than a trillion that are going to go back into the first domain. Now, um, what happens then to the ones that fell, the ones that failed, and the ones that do not make it back into into the uh, first domain? Okay, here is what happens. Now, in Holy Manifest, which is not available to you people, but in a written manifest, because remember, there are actually seven books, and we've only made the one book available, uh, which is called The Seven Thunders Speak, Manifest Chronicles Before Genesis. But there are, you know, six other books, plus additional information. And in those teachings, it tells this story. It tells this story about uh, the you know uh, uh, the angels and and that that do not uh, go back into the first domain are not allowed to go back. Uh, what happens? And according to the teaching, uh, they become what is called punctuated points. And as punctuated points, they end up in the uh, compressed uh, matter of the universe when the universe rolls together and and uh, uh, go, goes into the scroll and stays that way for eons of eons of forevers and until there's a new universe that, that is, is born and um, in some cases in the great great past uh, when the new universe is born some of those punctuated uh, uh, entities have you know revitalized and then been able to uh, go through a, a, a life experience uh, and in that uh, life experience um, they have been able to redeem themselves and be brought back into you know the the kingdom of the first domain um, but it's not impossible but what they might have to go through two or three uh, e uh, creation times in which uh, they do they do not get a chance to be revitalized uh, from their suspended state as a punctuated point um, until you know it could be many 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 eternities sort of so to speak many many forevers uh, be a rather use um, meaning the vanishing point beyond what anybody could see or imagine or even tell so this is the description then when it talks when it talks about those people it is talking about the worm that never dies. The worm that never dies. And that is, uh, is described in, the, in Isaiah uh, 66.24 and Mark 9.44-48. through 48, The worm that, that, that never dies. Uh, but if you check the scriptures, like Job 25.6 and Psalms 22.6, in Isaiah 41:14, you'll see that human beings are called worms, and so that this worm thing that it's talking about, though, is particularly and especially referring to this this the spirit of these rebellious uh, angels that do not overcome and and do not get to go back into the first domain, and they end up going into uh, uh, being the, the, the 
fiery hell, not fiery in the sense of, um, of, of you know, the oxygen burning fires, but fiery in the sense, uh, sense of this um, state that they're in. Now, a lot of times when something says, well, you know, this is going to be forever, then people imagine a state of awareness and of consciousness in which uh, a forever period of time goes on. But um, that is most often not the meaning of that. Because if we say that something is a condition, uh, if this doesn't work, then you know this, this resolution will be forever. If this solution doesn't work, the resolution, the results, will be forever. In other words, you will not be able to change this result. And so, uh, whatever is the, is the end happening, the end meaning of what is the resolution of your actions, then it will be it will be forever. It will last forever as an effect. This doesn't mean you'll be there consciously aware of all that. This does not mean there are not states in the interim uh, places uh, before this ultimate and final uh, uh, collapse of the universe. Uh, which are states of mental awareness and, and comprehension in which they're um, uh, separated by a gulf for, for a, a visible distance and still able to see and beware and request uh, in communication uh, with the whole concept of the Abrahamism idea. But, but uh, that is talking about a, a different state uh, and a different... Uh, place of reference. Now, I know that's all complicated, and I can't just, you know, delve into this. I, I mean, this is something that really needs a book. <laughs> a book to tell the whole story and give all the scriptures and all the facts and make it as clear and plain to you as possible. But it is quite beautiful and quite outstanding when you begin to see that the worm that never dies is this particular punctuated dot, accentuated dot. Uh, that becomes a person sort of locked in uh, like a um, li like a um, a mustard seed that 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 is lost in eternity and never gets a chance to open uh, to become a great plant. Uh, it's, it's sort of a, un a, a cocoon that never unfolds and never opens up. And so there's much much to think about uh, in relationship uh, to all of that. And it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting. And I hope that you do take the time. Let me read, give you these scriptures again. Um, Where the worm never dies, Isaiah 66, 24. Mark 9, 44 through 48. Uh, man is a worm. Job 25, 6. Psalms 22, 6. Isaiah 41, 14. Okay, very, very important that you get that down. All right, let's let's uh, let's go on here then. So uh, now we're dealing here with this, um, with this answer, uh, you know, to, to Mario. Um, and uh, uh, he has made that, that question about, about the hells. And uh, uh, so, you know, we, we want to, to show that... Um, that this thing about uh, syntonic fire, someone will say, well, 
you know, I never heard of there being any other kind of fire than just the kind of fire that is sort of hellish fire and that can burn up things. Uh, well, you know, that's, that's not true if you know your Bible. Because the Bible tells us about the Holy Ghost in fire. Now, if there's the Holy Ghost in fire, that obviously is not an evil fire. That obviously is a spiritual fire. So we have the very Word of God by just taking the time to do a little research uh, that there is the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, and fire. And they're connected together, linked together by the conjunction and. So, so there is a physical fire and there is a Holy Ghost in fire. And I don't think there would be any of you, any of you listeners out there today who would try to conjunct that the uh, Holy Ghost in fire, uh, that that fire is, is a physical fire. I, I don't think there would be any of you out there in uh, to that mis, uh, misled character. Okay, so let's go on just a little bit further here uh, and see if we can uh, finish up some interesting questions. Um, uh, I can't... Um, uh, I, I'll try to do a few more here with uh, Mario. Um, uh, Jesus said, Do not touch me, uh, because I have not ascended to the Father. Yet we see a case of photo translation. But why ascending to the Father enables him uh, not only to photo translate uh, into the room where the apostles are gathered, but also tell Thomas, "Put your hand in my side and give me something to give me something to eat," uh, which are uh, clear signs of uh, physicality. Now. I want to express something uh, about this thing about Jesus. And uh, this is going to touch into some of the other questions of other people. But if, if, if we are to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if we are to believe that he says, no man can take my life from me. The Son of Man has power to take up, to lay down his life and to take it up. No man can take that from me. And if I wanted to, I could call on twelve legions of angels. Now this is what Jesus said. Now if we're to believe that, and not come up with some hocus-pocus other excuse, then uh, we have to really do some consideration here. If we are to believe that Jesus raised the dead, in several instances, that people that were dead, he raised them. The little girl in the coffin, Lazarus, and other examples if we are to believe in the miracles of healing instantaneous healings then we have to have absolutely no um, retarded thoughts about the fact that even if Jesus was uh, was riveted in the side by a spear even if his, his the palm of his hands or the wrists were were uh, plugged through with a nail or nails um, that once off the cross he had in his body divine regeneration and this regeneration <coughs> could messenger uh, to the cells to begin to recreate new cells and to heal you know and someone says well you know if that's the case um you know what about as uh, Mario mentioned? What about these situations 
where you've got uh, you know you've got the people that uh, uh, you know you know where Jesus comes in and they see the wounds in his body uh, what about that well <laughs> what about it have you not ever heard of stigmata now if you've really done any research on stigmata uh, you will find that there are people uh, priests and layman people and all kinds of people who have had the stigmata experience and they have literally bled from their hands they've literally bled from their feet and 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 from their side and and there were when you would look at their hands there was literally wounds there where you could see as though they had just been crucified and there are there are dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of that and 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 writs about that from some very um trustworthy uh um uh, people that have that have followed through on those experiences and from some uh, a church hierarchy and so forth so uh when we look at these situations where Jesus appeared and and you know and and Thomas has said I'm not going to believe unless I see the wounds in your hands unless I I see uh you know these these uh problems uh that you have I I, I am not going to believe um uh, a lot of people called Thomas uh Thomas uh whose name is Didymus and which means twin uh they they called him uh doubting Thomas um you know I I don't know if I want to give him that title or not uh I think it's totally possible along the lines of something that I would request especially if there was a a, a transformation of the looks of Jesus to some extent and he looked different somehow uh, I would I would probably uh, I would probably be in accord with that kind of questions and so I'd be very careful about judging Thomas because he asked those questions the Bible does say prove all things but the stigmata thing is real and it still happens today and I've had uh, you know experiences uh, dealing with the signs of stigmata in my ministry and so uh, I'd like to explain that you know someday when I get the opportunity so I, I know how real that that can be and and we don't want to just lightly cast it off because you know it, it is a, a real thing so when we are talking photo translation uh, we are talking just to, at an instant in which Jesus was going through a a renewal and um, at the time that Jesus was going through this renewal he was not in the garden that was only a photo trans translation of him but he had a mental awareness and he could communicate uh, with Mary uh, but he knew that if she reached out to touch his body her hand would go right through it but obviously it was not that much longer before Jesus had uh, finished with his regeneration and uh, and then he didn't need to uh, photo translate uh, to people because he that had had finished happening when he says uh, he, you know had not uh, gone to the father um, Jesus says I absolutely do nothing without it being the will of the father <coughs> 
whatever the Father tells me to do, that is what I do. Uh, Jesus, you know, was always um, the one to make sure of what the will of God was, the will of the Father was. And and uh, when he says, uh, not ascended to the Father, he is speaking about, uh, you know, this mental uh, transmission, uh, being complete with the Father, and, and reporting where he was, and the condition where he was, and that, uh, that uh, uh, he was in the state of prayer and regeneration. And, and uh, that's why he could not be there to meet Mary in the, in the flesh. And he had to meet her in the uh, photo transition. Now, if we are to believe the Bible, the Bible tells us that, uh, uh, that Jesus is uh, omnipotent, omniscient, that, that Jesus is, is capable, uh, that, that he can be in more than one place at a time. And we know, according to, Ac- to, to uh, uh, Mark six, chapter 16, that he appeared in many forms. So as we look at that and think about that, uh, that really uh, is the explanation of uh, both the thing with Thomas and the thing with, uh, uh, you know, to, to Mary. Okay. Um, another question. Why it appears that ascending to the Father creates a distinction between uh, Jesus and the Father uh, where he had previously stated I and the Father are one. Um, I I don't really see the point there that is being made, Mario. Uh, but but I guess I I sort of get where you might be coming from. Uh, and the point that you're making is that um, that um, this statement of ascending to the Father uh, creates the the situation that that Jesus in a, is in a lower state and the Father is in a higher state. Uh, that would be exactly uh, correct because Jesus said, the Father is greater than I. So in the words of Jesus in the Gospels, it is written that Jesus admits and Jesus says, the Father is greater than I am. And, and, and that's out of his own words him saying that. Now, um, someone says, well, yeah, but uh, what about this, I don't understand, what about this thing, you know, uh, uh, of, uh, you know, of, of, of Jesus uh, saying that uh, he and the Father are one. Well, uh, why don't you just turn to uh, John chapter 16, pardon me, chapter 17, and uh, let's, uh, you know, just uh, look at a few of of the scriptures that are in that chapter, uh, it it is very very interesting if you really get into it and you, you really read these scriptures. Uh, you know that that um, in verse twenty one it says that they all may be one as thou Father art in me and I in thee, and that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So this thing about being one with the Father uh, uh, incorporates even all all of the people that come into this faith as being part on the same basis. Now listen how detailed the explanation 
Um, he says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them which also shall believe on me through their word. That's verse 20. Uh, that they may, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I'm, uh, I in thee, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So this thing about um, being one, uh, you know, uh, has many facets to it and many different levels to it. And we have to be very careful that we don't lift something out of context and make it to become a, a one uh, uh, of something different than it is. And I'm going to get into the explanation later of, you know, Jesus and his relationship to the Father and the Father to him. Uh, are they the same? Are they different? Just what that is. Uh, we will get into that. But, uh, you know, I'm just trying to uh, cover all these things uh, as, as best that I can. And, um, and then you ask about Simon of Sarini. Uh, was he created on the spot? Was he co a coned uh, personality? <laughs> and uh, you know, Paul talks about him in Romans sixteen thirteen, and and there is suspicion that he might be uh, talked about in Acts eleven twenty. Uh, he's mentioned in all three uh, synoptic uh, synoptic uh, gospels, but he isn't mentioned uh, in uh, the Gospel of John. But uh, <clears throat> no. Uh, all of that kind of business there about uh, him possibly uh, taking the place of Jesus when he when he uh, was chosen by the Roman soldiers uh, and you know forced I would say to to help carry the cross because Jesus was falling under it uh, and then the theories that have come out of that 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 he actually traded off with Jesus and uh, then it was. Uh, Simon that actually got crucified instead of him? No, uh, absolutely, don't believe that. That would that would miss the whole process uh, that uh, the Bible gives us uh, for for Jesus Christ. Okay, and then uh, uh, okay, I think that's all I'm going to take the time on your questions to a to answer uh, because there's just so many questions I've got, and I have to really. Uh, I have to really consider, you know, everybody if, if at all possible. So let me see uh, what else that I want to get into. Um, okay, here's here's a good one right here that's along the subject of what I was saying. Uh, okay, now um, now uh, what uh, I want to talk about. Uh, we'll get the volume turned up here. It seems like it's a little lower than it ought to be. Um, what I want to talk about is that um, uh, another letter I got uh, from Ken Burroughs. Um, he asked some questions. He's got about uh, three questions here. And, uh, and he says, um, Are Jesus, the Father, the Holy Ghost, Adam, Melchizedek, and Yaviel all ultimately the same very special entity? Okay, now this is a big question, and uh, I, I'm going to have to answer it in, a, in, in, in a, a kind of abbreviation, because to really give it the, pronunci the pronunciation of clarity that it would need uh, for developing all the sequences, uh, it would it would be pretty voluminous. But let's let's at least uh, let's let's get into this. Now, number one. 
we have to, we, the best thing to do is to start with the Father, the Father which art in heaven. The Father which art in heaven is the highest entity. That's the highest entity of this group that has been mentioned. Okay? Now, the Bible says that Jesus came out from the Father. And, and then he, after having come out from the Father, he, uh, took on a body of, of, of flesh uh, he did not choose to take on an angelic body of flesh but he chose to take on seed of, uh, of you know of the children like of Israel and, uh, and of you know Abrahamic and royalty seed uh, uh, related to David and um, uh, but he came from the father now Jesus and the Father. Jesus is the, the the lower presence of the Father. And the Father is the higher presence. And so in the Tetrachomaton that we have done, and it's on Star, uh, star Rise, uh, Community Star Rise, but you have to go back into some of the older uh, information that's on there. Uh, there is a tetragrammaton, and it talks about the two M's. And, and instead of saying uh, uh, the M that I am, or, or uh, some of the some of the translations that they give, it talks instead about I am who I am, or I, or rather, uses a conjunction I am and I am, so that you end up with the the higher I am and the lower I am and uh, it's a very um, involved uh, description that you should you, you should take the time to find that on Star Eyes community get in there and read that Tetragrammaton because it, it has quite the revelation to it but um, uh, what you have to understand is this thing with Kouni Kouning, uh like happens to God, the the ultimate invisible God, the highest God over all the gods, and and uh, uh, over uh, eternities of time, uh, as angels advance, and that's why there are different levels uh, of of ranks with the angels, and uh, eventually when an archangel uh, reaches becoming a full fledged throne angel then that angel becomes uh, available for the possibility at some point to go into the hallowing and when he goes into the hallowing he has the chance uh, to become co-owned with God where he leaves his personality he leaves his identity he becomes part of God uh, in such a way that uh, it's it, this being an extra entity uh, coming into God does not take up uh, any uh, space because he occupies the same space, same thought waves. Uh, he becomes a total uh, integrated part of God, and that is, believe me, uh, an incredible thing. Um, so uh, just hang in there. <laughs> this is heavy stuff. Uh, I. Uh, won't be won't be surprised if if uh, uh, some of the numbers uh, on my screen here uh, begin to dot off. 
this stuff is so heavy. There is scripture for all of this. But I'm going to just tell you the story as best I can. And then later, you know, sometime when we have the time or when the book is out, then you'll have the scripture for it. Um, but but uh, Jesus is co-owned with the Father. Now, we do not teach that the Father is the ultimate the ultimate I am invisible God we do not teach that because in the first domain there is no male or female there is no father and daughter and and son uh, that is only a language happening that is in the universe that is not anything relative to the first domain because in the first domain they neither marry nor are given in marriage and and uh, they are only into uh, you know uh, the pure energy revelation of God, and so it is. Uh, uh, those terms are referring to entities very advanced, very high up with God, but but uh, they are uh, you know the the Father is another way of saying you know the the Archangel, Jesus you know um, is. He is not. He is, as he said, my father is greater than I. He is in. Not, he is not in the highest, uh, same order as his father, uh, because he had to descend down uh, to take on a fleshly body, and uh, but that was so important. It's more important than anyone could even begin to imagine, because he said it's so important that that unless you uh, transassimilate the my life and the, the meanings of these things he said you know you really can't get back into your eternal uh, uh, life and and it was very important and he then he went on to say you know that if um, that if if you refuse that Jesus came in flesh and there used to be teachings out there um, that that people taught uh, especially uh, during the time of the Gnostic uh, Gospels but not all of the Gnostic Gospels taught that. But there were some of them that taught that Jesus did not have a uh, physical body. Even some of the very earliest priests of the Catholic Church taught that. That his body was well, it looked like flesh, felt like flesh, but, but it actually was not a physical body. And they taught that. Uh, that is just not true, not, uh, not the fact at all. And Jesus said, if you deny... <clears throat> that I came in the flesh, then you are antichrist. It is an extremely important thing to recognize that that he, you know, that came in the flesh. So, as we get into this thing, then uh, then the, the questions here from Ken are: Who is Jesus? Who is the Father? Are these all the same? Uh, you could say Jesus and Adam. Okay, uh, Jesus sold Adam. Jesus became the first man. Adam, and and uh, and then at the same time he became the offspring of Adam, and and uh, a, a beautiful way of describing that as related through to David was that he was the root and the offspring of David, and because David was uh, you know uh, a generation of creation in between, so you've got the you've got Jesus and and Adam uh, in that. In, in a connectiveness and yes 
there is a connectingness to them to the Father once they enter back into their cohooning with the Father and are become one again. Uh, and and uh, Yahviel uh, is has in it two names, Yah and El, E-L. So it's sort of like I am and I am. And we can have application of that in the sense of imaging. And so the Bible says that that you know Jesus was the perfect image of the Father. He's, he's the perfect image of, of God the Father. And so uh, uh, we have to understand that something that is the image of 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 an entity is not the entity. It's the image of it. It's the picture of it. But it's a perfect picture of it. And we must not get that confused. Uh, and because a lot of people in their interpretations do get that confused. Now the Holy Ghost. I. I I, for years, like to describe the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit like this. Let's take the sun. And we look at the sun with all this uh, a powerful light. And the sun uh, radi- radiates uh, as it is burning. It radiates. Now, the sun is a body. And it's a star. But the sunlight is not a star. And it is not a body. It is radiated energy from the body, the star, the sun. And so I, I like to compare the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit and, and like uh, that, that the, that the Holy Spirit is radiated energy that is coming out from the Father and the Son and the, the heaven of heavens. And uh, it, it is this radiating energy uh, that has in it the Soundtron wave. <clears throat> so, um, it's extremely interesting uh, when you see it like that because it really opens it up. Now, when we say Yahweh-El, <clears throat> uh, we're really referring to Yah and El. We've got, we've got two entities in one name. So, we could in that sense understand that Jesus is the anointed Christ and we know that that the Jesus name is, although this would be hard for some people the Bible says that that, that he will, there will be a new name given uh, that we'll come to learn a new name because Jesus means you know salvation but once all of the people of the Ophidims have had their their Abraham bosom time and they've had their chance of salvation then that name will not be necessary to apply but of course the anointed Christ the Messiah uh, that has a special implication not only for coming to his uh, own uh, fallen uh, open him but even coming to creations Um, whereas salvation is not salvage when you're talking on these new creations Uh, it, it it is a different thing okay so I hope that that explains. Now Melchizedek, Melchizedek, um, Mel- you, the Bible says that Jesus is after the form of Melchizedek. So so Jesus is put in a situation of following the order of Melchizedek, and and uh, so so it's pretty obvious that Jesus has appeared as Melchizedek. And that Melchizedek is a higher order akin uh, to the Father. 
uh, not because the spirit is higher, but the but the the job format is higher or lower. Uh, Jesus came to be our brother, and he came to be our kinsman, redeemer. Uh, he he emptied himself, as it says in one of the scriptures, and he took on uh, the lowly body. Uh, and so so judging him from or assessing him from that form then that puts him in that lower state uh, Melchizedek was a higher state than that uh, but they're they're all connected okay um, then uh, uh, let's see Ken asked here question number two um, knowing this information about our past how should we live now secondarily exactly how do we overcome and specifically how do we love God with all our heart mind soul and strength the whole secret to this thing of overcoming the whole thing about uh, being able to um, love God with all our mind souls and uh, uh, mind soul and strength um, is very very um, easily understood by rendering we cannot just press a button and suddenly we love God with all our heart mind soul and strength um, there's absolutely a condition in which if a person was totally involved just religiously even spiritually with using the whole of all their energy of all their thoughts of, of, of everything that they had to give to, to life uh, that it would become destructive to them uh, because they're 50% human and they're 50% uh, so to speak they're part human and they're part spirit they have each a full entity of, of either side and so there has to be certain attention that is put on the physical side uh, it has to have it has to have you know a physical side to it that is not necessarily by any means religious doesn't mean it's evil but I mean the body in itself is, is fairly uh, uh, in its natural law fairly evil uh, it's, it's a beast so so the, the transcendence that has to happen has to happen from a state of, of a trans assimilation from a state of believing that in Christ we are made a new creature even though when we look in the mirror we don't look like we're any different even in our thinking and our approach may not seem to be any different but we have actuated uh, a case in which according to the word we have the right to make that, that, that move and to render that and accept Christ believe in Christ that way and then uh, all of the perfection that he had by overcoming sin uh, by overcoming temptation uh, is accredited to us as though we had done what Jesus did so that we enter through the pearly gates through him not through ourselves and we try to go through the pearly gates with our names now I'm Jerry Lee who are you? I'm Jerry Lee uh, sorry you're at the wrong door but then if I come up and I, he says who are you? I'm Jesus Christ come in we come in through the name of Jesus Christ and that is the incredible miracle of it all and and we're purified uh, in the ultimate process of it all okay so um, that's that's how you do it you you you, you have to tra you have to render it 
and then you know Jesus said render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar render to God what belongs to God that's what you have to do okay and in three uh, can you say when a play by play leaves nothing out history of the openings be nice it certainly would someday we will do it can't do it tonight for sure okay so so much for that let me go on I gotta really get the move in here wow um, this is from Rich and uh, China Rich he calls himself uh, do you believe in the flood Noah's Ark uh, uh, do you believe it was a real advent or just an allegory uh, to represent uh, something spiritual um, <clears throat> actually that is a very very good question um, you know in the in the present uh, archaeological and uh, and uh, geology study of the earth there are a lot of scientists that uh, just absolutely cannot accept that there was a worldwide flood <coughs> there is um, uh, these two scientists that um, recently you know in the last few years came up with the idea that that the Mediterranean overflowed in uh, through the, uh, the mountain pass uh, into uh, the Black Sea and a huge local area include the, including uh, you know the Persian Gulf Basin uh, was was flooded and all the people in those areas uh, you know were killed by the flood um, there are um, uh, you know lots of other ideas about that in, in uh, you know relationship to uh, continents uh, moving um, and all that type of thing um, we um, we have a lot of tremendous information a person should not just uh, ignore it uh, because um, it's not apropos to not to not listen a person should should listen and be aware um, you know of, of all these uh, these things uh, so that you're you're being honest about it. Um, now, <clears throat> first off, in the manifest teachings, if you had all the manifest teachings, it shows that they, that, that there is a um, at least ten thousand year difference in in uh, time accounting that that is um, a manifest chronology uh, as compared. To uh, like Bishop Erzer and, and some of the other modern uh, accounting of, of time uh, that happened from the flood, and uh, this is very interesting treatment how it does it because uh, it, it sort of puts uh, the the uh, the uh, the landing and uh, you know and some of those things into a deferred uh, uh, progeny type of, of, of state, but this ten thousand roughly time. Uh, takes it back to um, closer to an, an, an ice age and so the, the manifest uh, teaching is is that um, in the sense of there being a worldwide uh, flood um, especially you know when you, you look at um, at all of the nations like there, there's, there's way over a hundred uh, uh, various kinds of, of uh, tribes and people and nations and that have stories of the flood 
and they're all a little different of course but there's still a story about a world uh, flood and it's quite spread out all over um, when you look at that it certainly is something to consider because uh, you, you really wonder how that that could have happened in such a widespread way if there isn't something really to this but in the manifest teachings uh, it it shows that 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 uh, this process of the flood uh, was was uh, quite different than than what people think and that it was a, a great time of uh, of ice age and, and the and the ice melting and and uh, and this causing great uh, uh, tectonic plate movement and and the foundations of the deep breaking up and um, uh, this uh, we believe was an actual a literal a flood that uh, that had a worldwide effect uh, that I think worldwide flood effect is very very important uh, it gets very technical from here and I would need to you know get into uh, geology and and uh, geological archaeology uh, along with some um, technical uh, uh, math explanations to really give you the manifest viewpoint uh, but uh, for instance uh, one of the things that it teaches is that the ark was built on the top of a mountain and it was very difficult for it to be located there but the reason it was built on top of the mountain was because um, God had revealed to to Moses uh, that there that there was going to this this when this water came uh, that it was going to be uh, like a, a torrent of water and it was going to be uh, you know you know hundreds of feet high and uh, like, like, you know uh, God revealed that to him so so by going up on say like Mount Hermon the top of Mount Hermon and having the ark up there ready to go um, that allowed that big swoosh of, of, of the first um, hit of, of all of that water uh, to not come and, and, and bang against the ark itself a lot of the, the very difficult uh, uh, damaging potential uh, would you know be out of it and then uh, as the water continued to rise eventually the ark and, uh, and, and we show uh, mathematically from the scripture how that the water did rise up to, uh, to where it, 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 uh, it uh, created the displacement so that the ark could float and so uh, yes uh, my answer Rich is I believe that there was a real flood but that the circumstances were quite a bit different and, and there's more to it than that there's other things that happened at that same time uh, that, that sort of um, set off the, uh, uh, the thing that was happening with, with the movement of, of ice and masses of ice and uh, with the increase of the water level of, of the oceans uh, but I, 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 you know, that's that's a, a whole different, uh, big story, and so I, I've answered your question uh, to that extent. Um, number two, John the Baptist was known as the greatest on earth, but he will be the least in the kingdom. Makes no sense. Why? He was simple, humble, seemed to eat good, loved God, and yet the least in the kingdom. Well. <laughs> A lot of people have asked that question and wondered about it. But 
you know, God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And we have to understand the inversion, that things that are on earth are totally different from things that are in heaven. And when let's just put this in the number, uh, in, in a number sense. Um, the higher the number, the more prolific the number, the greater the digital sequences, the further away that number is from God. It is not till that number gets down to zero and starts to almost go abstract, you know, uh, that that it is uh, uh, more into uh, representing the things of God. So there's a, a deep parable here that Jesus is revealing. Uh, though Elijah it was great on earth uh, in the magnitudes of how humans uh, equated greatness um, in heaven um, uh, those things they equated as greatness would be just the opposite and his number would be the least however what he did not say is that number that made him the least as far as the accounting would actually put him higher up on the spiritual rostrum uh, than if he had a higher number and and uh, so there's a lot more to it than that but that gives you at least something to think about okay and then number four seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be added uh, honestly uh, would it be better to live a life solely to help others and forget about ourselves and our own pursuits like Mother Teresa and such um you know that is very amicable that is very considerate but it's not correct uh, I'm not putting Sister Teresa down but I'm talking about your question as a whole is not correct because the Bible teaches the first action the first action is to love yourself as you would love a neighbor or, to, or rather love your neighbor as you love yourself so loving your neighbor follows as you love yourself you love yourself first then that is how you love your neighbor so if you don't have this recognition of loving yourself if you if you don't first fulfill this loving yourself then you are not ready to go out there and to really help people um, because you are missing uh, the preparation that you need to have to be able to properly go out there and to do your job. And so that's my answer to that. Thank you uh, for your questions, Rich. Uh, thank you also, Ken, and uh, you know, uh, and Mario. Uh, thank you, thank you very much. Okay, we got to keep moving. Okay. Um, we have one here from um, uh, from uh, Keith Pearson. Uh, how many wings do orphanums have? They have some the some symbolism of two wings, and I've given scriptures for that fairly recently in some of the uh, recent blogs. Um, who is the creature with four faces described in Ezekiel chapter one? carried by the wheels they represent the four human races which are also sometimes described as four winds four corners of the earth four rivers and etc okay we have uh, questions here from Larry 
McDonald and uh, and his wife, um, uh, and uh, we are going to comment on that. Um, okay, Larry and, and Betty, um, it's just, uh, this one's a little difficult for us to get into uh, because it gets into a subject that um, is is not ready really to be made too public yet, but but we have mentioned some of these things, so we can't just ignore it. Who are the people called axles? Uh, the word axle uh, represents a Arturian word that means extended ministries. Who are the pro? <coughs> who are the prototypes? Excuse me. Who are the prototypes? Okay. Um, <coughs> We are talking about prototypes, and these prototypes are um, are human beings uh, that are offspring of Enoch, and uh, whose spirits have come down and been born in human bodies here on Earth, but they are actually by the Spirit, um, you know, uh, sons of the Artusians, and. Uh, so uh, they are called prototypes, and an example of that is your next question, Mark three seventeen. James and John are uh, surnamed uh, Boandries. Um, who are those people? Well, this name, especially the first part of the bow, has to do uh, with a uh, the name of a constellation uh, that the a star Arcturus is in which the Arturus, uh, the, the man Arturus, uh, is in ancient um, cosmology, uh, as far as zodiac and some of those things are concerned, is understood to represent Christ. And, um, and so uh, uh, we believe that uh, the, the, the mother of, um, of John and James they very well she very well knew as well as John and James that her sons uh, were um, uh, prototypes uh, that they were are they were Arturians and um, and that uh, that is why she requested and asked if uh, in the father's house when they're back in Artura if her sons would have the right, would have the approval to sit on his right side, and then he explained to him, "Look, uh, I do, I do the will of my father. That is not my decision to make. Uh, you know, uh, it's up to my father." And so, uh, I hope, uh, Larry, that has answered your questions. Uh, those are all really good questions uh, that are being given. Okay, um, we've got. Um, questions here from uh, uh, Andrew Andrew McBride uh, he is saying that um, <clears throat> some of this recent revelation is really a big deal and he says I sometimes uh, develop uh, an analyst analyst uh, as a stuttering realization of the current position uh, but he says I gratefully accept and enjoy um, but he, he goes on here with his question um, is this revelation decoded out of Romans KJV 
that was uh, a question and um, sure there's a lot of it that is taken out of Romans but it's not limited to Romans actually um, it, this is actually all through the Bible and and there's many different uh, places and especially uh, the, the the language lost language of Akka and that's all through the Bible uh, question two pertaining to the universal close whenever this is uh, whenever that is in the future are you saying that the fallen angels and their leader will be judged in a role of, of fulfillment of their design designations and personal destiny I think I possibly have already explained uh, in my earlier statements an answer to this how that those that overcome will go on to the first domain those that fail to overcome they'll become punctuated dots uh, they'll become the worm that never dieth at some point some far far uh, eternal point uh, their eternal spirits that cannot be destroyed the worm that dieth not uh, as Jesus said uh, will return uh, to God uh, as it says you know in the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes will return to God their spirits will return to God who gave it and then there's quite a story about what happens from there but uh, that is as far as we can go right now a couple other questions um, let's see here can you elaborate on the transformation in the forms of Jesus as you know it uh, well on the Mount of Transfiguration um, uh, you know there was two uh, entities that, that appeared uh, uh, to uh, to Jesus and the disciples uh, those, the particular disciples and um, we had Moses and we had Elijah uh, but in the teachings that I have given <clears throat> is that I believe that as the disciples were up there that Jesus transfigured and he transfigured and became Elijah and, uh, he, and he was able as a telesthesian prophet uh, to receive the mind signals and the message and, and then he, he spoke like in the tongues, uh, so to speak, of Elijah. Same thing he did with Moses when he transfigured into him. And so Jesus, who in the 16th chapter of Mark, uh, it says he appeared in different forms. Uh, he once appeared on this road as, to, as, to, as these um, uh, uh, disciple-type uh, persons were, uh, were walking along and talking about uh, current events. And uh, then he stopped and by their invitation and ate with them. And during uh, questions and answers in during that that meal time, uh, they suddenly realized they had been talking to talking to a disguised Jesus Christ. And when they came to the understanding of it, he instantly disappeared. So, um, uh, if you go back into the Old Testament, the, the Bible says he was that rock you know, that, that followed the children of Israel in the wilderness. Um, he was obviously the angels. Uh, even the, even the, the greatest theologians believe that, uh, that, uh, that appeared um, to um, Abraham. Um, so there's just, and we named some of the other uh, transformations earlier. So I, I think, you know, that gives you a pretty good connection for your, for your question. Okay. You had a couple other questions. Um, 
and um, uh, let's see here uh, pertaining uh, well I think this uh, I must have printed that twice I already have that one let's go to the next one uh, this is still for uh, Andrew um, which river did we original, originate or come from the four kinds of mankind the Gihon, Pison, Hedekel, and Euphrates uh, Adam was, a, was from the Euphrates uh, his parents were of a different river uh, but he then evolved uh, to become uh, from to become start the Euphrates people and um, and what is current situation with the possible remaining soulless rivers uh, they cease to exist uh, and th there are no soulless people unless we would call those people soulless who had uh, uh, sinned against uh, the unpardonable sin against the Holy Ghost um, when we hear things like uh, all or forever or end or dead uh, don't don't jump the gun uh, don't think that, that that is the final language and that's what happens to a lot of people religiously they introduce the final language even this thing about the unpardonable sin is not a final language it is just an action that has a resultant uh, that is not very nice uh, but it is, it is not an eradication it is not a dematerialization uh, of the entity uh, so um, there's lots of scripture for that uh, but I'm just telling you that uh, when people say you know someone has they're dead uh, this this person is dead <laughs> Every, everyone that dies no matter how many times you die uh, you, you're dying in in the same this, the, under the same death warrant uh, uh, of life and, and that is the first death if you had you had seven bodies that you, you died and rose up again in that would all be under the same first warrant of life it would be all issued in that same time um, it is the second death that is the serious death because it's a spiritual death and even the second death doesn't mean total eradication but it does mean can mean and does mean usually suspension okay so uh, that is so Bible believe me <laughs> I am not worried uh, at all uh, to uh, uh, to be thinking about you know those kind of uh, those kind of things um, you know that 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 is uh, is not at all uh, we do maybe I should say when we're talking about you know solus um, there were you know what's called the Canakil of course they, they were uh, they were um, uh, some of those people that were at the flood were transported uh, out out of away from the earth when when there was the rapture of the angels transporting the offspring of Enoch to a safe place Satan was also using the Zams to take some of the Canakil and move them out into space and uh, so uh, yeah there are those people that are that are, are still alive but not on earth and that's why I said it the way I did because I was referring to uh, 
uh, you know, those who were on earth. Okay. Now we have um, uh, a question from John uh, Hoagland. Um, that's his um, name for the um, uh, for, for the manifest uh, comment. Um, my questions are: Who exactly is Jesus Christ, Yahweh? The Father, and the Father, and how is salvation in Christ, and salvation from what? Uh, I hope these questions don't sound repugnant. Okay, um, when we talk about salvation, we need to understand uh, that that word comes from salvage in the relationship of the Bible and the understanding of the fallen angels. And so there's a salvage message to salvage the angels that fell into the Tartaru, which is the captivity of the chains and molecular bondage of the human body. And um, so, so Jesus Christ is the person who, who came to bring this work of salvage, uh, to bring salvation. Jesus meaning salvation, Christ meaning the anointed one or the anointed Messiah. The Yabiel is the higher self of, of, of Jesus uh, that he enters into and out of uh, as he works. works. The Father who is at the Father's house, which is also called by the Arabs uh, heaven, uh, is in uh, this area, this constellation area of what people call the Little Dipper constellation. And uh, I've done a lot of teaching on that. That's on the on the blogs in, in the War of the Angels. And uh, now the salvation from what is the salvation... Uh, to be salvaged from the fall, and and that is what the salvation is for, and to be to be salvaged, and so um, uh, you know that is a very very important thing uh, because the human beings that have fallen they're in a, a state of amnesia and they do not remember who they are. But uh, and I'll have some other questions that pertain to this that we'll get into in a little bit. That are that are also interesting, um, John. I hope that answers your questions. Uh, that and the importance. Plus, I've already talked quite a little bit on the thing about the Father and Christ, and so I've you know sort of answered some of these questions uh, uh, before. Okay, um, now um, we've got um, you know uh, Deep Root um, and his wife. And uh, the question that, uh, that, that he has is, uh, how would I explain that biblically our time and our chance is equal? Well, um, Acts 10.34, God is no respecter of persons. Acts 11, or pardon me, Acts 10.11 through 15, uh, it tells about this uh, sheet coming down with all these animals. And... Uh, and and the angel says, "Eat, Peter." And Peter says, "I can't. You know the, these these are unclean beasts." And the angel says, "Don't you dare to call the the, the anything common 
that God has cleansed. Uh, we see that, that in that uh, parable that, that God takes and the very things that were deemed as unclean in the Old Testament are made clean in the New Testament uh, when once the, the commonness uh, has, been, has been cleansed. Now, the scripture itself, and maybe we should just turn to it in Ecclesiastes uh, 9, verse 11, uh, is very, very interesting. Ecclesiastes 9.11 in itself explains this equality and uh, it's it's all part of this uh, a part of this uh, revelation so we're going to read it 9.11 I returned and I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong neither yet bread to the wise nor, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. So in this scripture that reveals this time and chance to every human being, it is clear that just because you happen to be fast on your feet in, the, in racing or uh, great with battle and strong, uh, wise, rich, have a lot of intellect and understanding, have all kinds of skills, all of those things do not favor you in this contest. What is the theme of this contest is that every person, every human being, will get a time and a chance. Not just a chance, because, you know, they have to have a time to live out that chance. See? And not just a time, but also a chance so that with the time they are able to have the chance, the opportunity to then uh, you know, go forward and, and to overcome. So by those scriptures it, it, it is, it is uh, you know, very, very, very clear. Now in Luke 20.36 Jesus talks about the overcomers will become equal with the angels. If we were to take that uh, you know, backwards uh, uh, you know <coughs> Uh, he puts the, the 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 overcomers in one category. He doesn't say now there's going to be uh, three hundred thousand of the overcomers that will actually reach a point of being equal with the angels, and then the rest of them will be close to being equal, not quite. But he takes the whole category of the whole assortment of all of the angels, uh, all of the overcomers, and he says when when the end of this judgment is over and all these things are finished, they will become equal with the angels. So as a category of individuals, uh, they will reach this point of all being equal. And so I, I find that extremely uh, pointed uh, to, to this, the answer of your question, that, uh, you know, that, that uh, this equality of God is built in. And, and, and it's not going to be... Um, uh, divide it based on a person's talent, intelligence, or a special uh, favor to, to their, their gifts. Uh, it is just a simple thing that has to do with all spirits and souls being equal. Uh, in Revelations 21.16, it talks about Jerusalem, and it talks about the building of Jerusalem, and these, these walls, that they were, were of an equal measurement. 
and when you follow that through you find out that Jerusalem represents the heavenly Jerusalem and it represents uh, all the the children of God it's the city of God made up of the bride of Christ and this bride of Christ coming down from heaven which is the city the holy Jerusalem uh, its measurements the wall measurements are, are equal it's the same width as it is breadth so this is another deep revelation for deep root <laughs> uh, to delve into because it is showing that the whole plan is is worked out for this equality and and these are just a few surface things there of course is is a, a whole lot more that that uh, could be put into this some other scriptures uh, that you might look to as we're looking at this no respecter of persons and on this subject would be uh, uh, in addition to those ones that I gave you I think I gave you uh, let's start over I gave you Acts 10.34 Acts 10.11-15 Ecclesiastes 9.11 Luke 20.36 Revelation 21.16 you can also look at uh, Ephesians 6.9 Colossians 3.25 1 Peter 1.17 and 2 Chronicles 19.7 so I hope uh, that that, uh, that uh, answers uh, you know, your questions and it's helpful and how are we doing here uh, well we're just <laughs> running along um, now we've got all kinds of other questions here and uh, you know I, I just don't think there's any way we're going to get through them all tonight but uh, we've got um, uh, we, we've got some questions uh, from um, uh, John and Renee, uh, Ironworks Jim, and some of these go way back. Uh, are all humans destinata? Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, a, a destinata it has the word destiny in it. Now, in one sense. Um, all humans have a potential to be a destinata just like all humans have a potential to be saved but the Bible says they that will be saved will endure to the end so um, by the same token those that are destinata are the ones that are living in the spirit of being a destinata doesn't mean you have to be perfect Um, um, okay and then it says uh, are the previous universes physical universes the previous universes were physical universes yes did the personality of those in, in the, uh, universes have to live in physical bodies yes um, Tanyuel was she a physical person with a spirit yes okay uh, that's that now I got some more questions uh, here this was asked um, okay um, are ghosts real (laughs) yes ghosts are real Uh, there is of course the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is real and uh, sometimes uh, when a person commits suicide their spirits linger uh, linger until their unlived time is fulfilled on a particular scale when their spirit takes on an apparition they are called ghosts demons under certain circumstances can appear as apparitions also even angels appearing in photo translations are sometimes taken as ghosts. Um, okay. 
<coughs> Let's see what else we got here. Okay, the question was, um, did Jesus need to die on the cross? Uh, that seems like, uh, you know, a lot of torture and, and suffering. Is that necessary to bring salvation and resurrection? Uh, Jesus raised people from the dead before going to the cross and before his own resurrection. Um, there is scripture. There is actually quite a bit of scripture. And uh, in the Bible, uh, the scripture tells us that, um, that one of the things that's, that is very important to understand, and this is uh, uh, in the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, it says that if the princes of this world knew, if the princes of this world knew who Jesus really was, they would never have crucified him. Let me repeat that. If the princes of this world knew who Jesus really was, they would never have crucified him. So now we see the scripture saying that there was a condition. And the condition was the very thing that Jesus said on the cross. Jesus said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Now in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. It was ordained to us before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So what it's really saying, if these people would have known the truth about what was ordained to us before the foundations of the world, which was being Ophanims, and Jesus being over all the Ophanims, if they had known this, and knowing the whole story, they would never have crucified Christ. But they did not know that. And so when Jesus on the cross said, Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. That's what he's talking about. He's not saying they don't they don't understand why they're telling me and, and all those other reasons that that people testified and made false statements about. He's saying what they don't understand is who I really am and who they really are. They don't understand about the Ophanims. They don't understand about the fallen angels. If they knew that truth and really believed it, they would never have gone through with this crucifixion. But that is why they did. And Jesus said, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so that is such an important understanding uh, because based on that, you know, um, there was an opportunity uh, for the for the tree of life and the tree of life uh, you know was is the opposite from the tree of death and and Moses understood that he had the people pass between two mountains and one mountain was the mountain of curse and the other mountain was the mountain of blessing and there was uh, uh, readers there that would read the curses as people passed through the, the pass of this one mountain and then as they pass through the pass of the other mountain, the readers would read the blessings. So there's always been, choose you this day who you will serve. The curses are the, are the blessings. So there was the, 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 the blessings uh, that were offered in the tree of life. 
and, and and you know it was said if you eat of this tree of life you'll live forever that was saying you eat of this tree of life you'll be restored uh, to, to your memory and you'll begin to remember who you were and you'll be back into your forever eternal mentality uh, you know but that unfortunately got blocked when the Gaihan uh, who was um, you know one of those um, uh, other rivers of people when that Gaihan uh, you know, personality uh, was used by Satan uh, to deceive Eve. And the Bible says that, that Adam was not deceived, but Eve was deceived. And then Adam, acting in his role as, 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 like, as Jesus would, he took on the sins of, of Eve by, by partaking with her so that, that he could equally share her sins. And, and that's why there was such an incredible comparison between the first Adam and the second Adam. Just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. All right. So uh, here we go. My goodness, time is flying. Um, um, now, it says, um, uh, let's see, what's this other question? Uh, okay. Now let's go to what, where we are. Um, What are we overcoming, and what is our destiny? Well, we are overcoming uh, the fall. We are overcoming our lost memory, and the destiny is total restoration of uh, of who we were before the fall, of being restored to that. <clears throat> okay. Um, let me see what else we got. This is still questions uh, from. Um, John and, and uh, Renee. Um, okay. Um, he gives a scenario here. He says, I can't imagine Yavio saying, here's the plan. You enter these low accelerations and life forms. You, you will not remember me or who you really were, but I will find you and rescue you. I will save you. You can trust me. Um, he does not believe... Um, that he says, I can imagine that happening. He does not believe that he would have said, uh, you enter these low accelerations and life forms, kind of like a human becoming an ant uh, without your memories and uh, not knowing who you really are. And if you find me, you will regain your angel, angel status. He says, I, I really don't see that, that Jesus Christ would do that. You know, if you're lucky enough to you know, sort of Gamble and, and be able to discover who you are, but but he believed that uh, that Jesus would say, "I will find you, I will get the message to you, I will give you your time and your chance." And and I thought it was, I when I read this, I thought it was beautifully said, and it revealed, in my opinion, a very deep understanding. Uh, and if you're listening, John, very deep understanding that you had on this subject. God bless you for that. Okay. Uh, then we've got things okay from uh, from uh, uh, Mr. Phillips here. Um, you know, uh, <coughs> what is the average lifespan of Artersians um, uh, as compared to uh, 
well in compared to earth years um, I put down here a thousand to uh, three thousand years um, what is the best way to explain the reason why angels are not given in marriage uh, inferior to the spirit to spirit merging uh, refers to the first domain and when it says that angels do not give in marriage it's not talking about the father's house because in the father's house that's still part of the of the uh, universe it's still the infinity of the universe but when you get to the infinity of the spirit kingdom the pure energy spirit there is no marriage or given in marriage there and then it's everybody loves everyone equal and it is spirit to spirit uh, capability to merge from mind to mind and spirit to spirit and be able to share uh, with uh, each person you know the wonderful things of, of, of divine ship and uh, that answered that um, was the destruction that happened to Sodom and Gomorrah done by Zis um, I don't think I will answer that question right now because uh, obviously the Bible does say that that uh, what happened uh, God caused to rain down from from heaven uh, but uh, you have to understand if there was a volcano uh, and it blew up into the air then it would come down upon earth and when it said God did this doesn't really mean that God ordered that destruction to fall upon those people what it rather meant is that God put these laws into creation and into nature and uh, and if there was a condition in the earth that was um, was uh, uh, growing into a point where it would uh, turn into a volcano then that was something that God had, had made available to happen and uh, and the and the only other thing that God tried to do was try to send these angels uh, to warn people and and the majority of the people were so intent on their their lust that they couldn't they couldn't accept the angel uh, visit visitation and message uh, only you know just a few people were saved out of that terrible situation and a great number of people were destroyed the, they were talking about Sodom and Gomorrah um, okay so um, that uh, that that sort of answers the most of those questions uh, this is from Zachary Phillips um, what do they do for fun in Artura well one of the things they have is virtual reality sets which are utterly absolutely unbelievable uh, in our, our, to our technology they're so advanced and so you know, how incredible how that you can live out the virtual realities and actually act them out yourself and uh, you can have this uh, happen anywhere uh, that you are in any room in any place um, uh, if you drink in tea you can have it happening on your your teacup I mean it's incredible um, can can they um, can they walk on water um, not like what Jesus did it's, unless it's a, a, some very advanced person uh, and I'm not saying that there is not but they do have a molecular bond that suspends atomic fusion by polarizing all the ions and this puts a skin uh, over a, a sprayed area of the water uh, that lasts uh, for uh, you know good deal of, of time and uh, when you walk out upon that it is 
strong enough to support a person walking. Uh, do they have winters as we do? Well, as we do, let's not say as we do because, you know, uh, that gets into a lot of complicated comparisons, but they do have winters. Um, do they have special occasions? Easter, Christmas. Uh, the largest event that they celebrate is Enoch's Artesian Landing. And uh, they celebrate that when Enoch first landed on Artesia and began to create a, uh, uh, the human race uh, remotely from the earth. Uh, are there princes and princesses? If so, what are their names? Well, um, what I'm going to do is give you a scripture to look at and to study. If you go to Micah 5.5, 5, you'll read about uh, uh, these seven shepherds and eight uh, princes. And uh, the word prince there actually means, um, or pardon me, it says, uh, I'm sorry, it talks about seven shepherds and eight principles. And the word principle <coughs> actually stands for prince. And uh, so that, that I think is interesting for you. Uh, let me just turn there real fast. I should read it, I guess. This real fast. Because it is... Uh, uh, I know where you're coming from. Uh, little Zachary guy. And uh, I just uh, want to be helpful for you, but I won't be able to give you all your answers. But this will get you started in the right direction. Okay? And uh, here's... <coughs> Here's what it says, and this is Michael uh, 5, 5. And this man shall be the peace, when the Assyrians shall come into our land, and when he shall tread in our palaces. Then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men, or princes. And they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod, and... and goes on verse 7 and the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as a dew from the Lord and as showers upon the grass that tarrieth not for any man nor waiteth for the sons of men and study that uh, yes there are names uh, that I would uh, certainly be able to to tell you about uh, uh, you know like uh, Lady Beth B-E-T-H which means uh, living house of God and um, uh, there's also um, uh, another name here pretty interesting uh, uh, Bethiah uh, which means Yahweh's daughter that's spelled B-I-T-H-I-A-H Beth is spelled B-E-T-H and uh, then, uh, then I think there's the name that would be uh, definitely find Enoch and there's uh, uh, Shemida S-H-E-M-I-D-A which means science of the heavens so there's a whole lot of others one other really neat name is is Azriel uh, A-S-R-I-E-L uh, which means God is joined there's some names for you to think about that you could uh, use in your uh, study uh, God just bless you and uh, be with you in your study. Okay. Um, 
Brenda, you asked some questions that are Arturian questions that uh, I don't think that I can uh, answer uh, at this time. You're a little bit too advanced here. So maybe we're going to continue this next week. Maybe you could re redo your questions. Send them in. Uh, <laughs> then there's, uh, okay, Tanuel. Uh, what is Melchizedek doing right now? <laughs> uh, as if I should know everything that's going on with all these great, incredible people that make me look like an ant. Uh, I do just happen to know that uh, uh, Melchizedek um, and uh, and uh, Yabiel, uh, in in the sense of, of super individual entities, are uh, in Orion, Orion right now, and. Uh, that is a very interesting uh, thing going on there that uh, someday I'll be able to talk about. Um, does Melchizedek uh, um, have a family? Um, keep in mind that um, that Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek and uh, it's quite a subject to talk about if Jesus had a family. There are things in the Old Testament that seem to indicate that that, that is a reality. Uh, I don't think that we really want to answer that question right now. It's uh, pretty pretty complicated. Uh, but we could, but we won't. Uh, <clears throat> how can you connect with other personalities inside your mind? Uh, maybe best right now not to try. You don't want to touch on schizophrenia. Uh, just hang off on that. You're young and you got time to think about it. Could you ever go to Arturia in your physical body? Yes, of course. Are there weddings? Uh, what are weddings like in Artura? Well, uh, like uh, in the the book um, of the of the Chronicles, uh, like Tanuel's wedding. All right. You know what? That's as many as I'm going to be able to do. Um, I have to stop there. That's uh, I think we uh, we answered a lot of questions, and it took us quite a bit of time. We didn't cover everything, but it's been exciting. <coughs> I um, interesting enough, I only had one person who wrote in about um, something for the Gentile, and it just wasn't explicit enough the way I need it for the Gentile. So I'm going to repeat again that if you uh, want me to do a specific Gentile prayer? Uh, give me, give me some detailed information. Write it to me on my email, www.lee.jerry.o at gmail.com, and give me the. And then next week we will, uh, uh, we will work on the Gentile uh, and begin to uh, really, uh, you know, see about getting some healing taking place. Uh, God bless all you people for these questions that you put out. Uh, I'm sure you're going to probably have uh, more more questions. Uh, what I'm thinking about doing is expanding this into the next weekend so that we can finish more questions. If you feel there's something about the question that we did uh, that you have given that's not quite complete or not understood, go ahead and write me back. Tell me what you're talking about on my email. And then we'll uh, we can go back over it and try to answer it more uh, with more clarity. Uh, we could, we just want to say God bless you so much.
and God just keep his his hands upon you um, I, I want to so deeply thank uh, Larry and Betty for uh, being involved in helping us print off uh, all of the information on the broadcast it is a huge incredible job but they have already done one uh, I've uh, don't quite have the right um, thing to download what they sent me. I'm going to write them about that. But um, uh, they're going to do start on another. I just so deeply, I can't express how deeply appreciate that. God bless you so much. God bless you, folks. God bless you so much. We're not going to do Gentile tonight. We need to have more information from you. watching you broadcast